Well, howdy, howdy, green team. Nice to be with you again today. And I'm so excited. I think I say that all the time, but I mean, today it's just this gorgeous day in Denver. It's snowing and uh, and we get to talk with Renee Millard Chacon. She is the uh, youth educator and cultural coordinator. Okay, I said that wrong. Um, youth program coordinator and cultural educator with um, with Spirit of the Sun, and she's a co-founder of Women from the Mountain. And oh, there's Franklin saying hi. Hey, Franklin. Uh, you know, there's there's so much going on right now, and um, one of the, one of the things I am so passionate about is letting people know that in your like a lot of times you get a job, you think you're going to be part of the solution and you're, you're kind of pigeonholed in one certain area. And what I have seen is that people that find a way to participate at the community level that helps at the personal level and at the policy level, when, when they're able to do that, they feel great and they're super powerful and so i thought there's nobody better than renee to to talk with about that because she's doing all of that and also at the same thing at the same time there's a lot of people that are understanding that are waking up to the systemic oppression and and also needing to rely on indigenous wisdom and indigenous perspectives but people don't know how to do it respectfully, how to get that information, how to be an ally, what's the difference between an ally and an accomplice, what really is environmental justice. And so all those amazing topics, um, I'm so happy that to be able to introduce Renee to you. So let's see here. Hi, Renee. Buenos dias, Guadalupe. Good morning. Muy buenos dias. <laughs> Awesome. All right. I agree. Renee is the best. Uh, Raz is just popping in. And Jocelyn, nice to see your shining face too. Okay. All right. So um, Renee, where should we start? You have so much going on. Do you want to focus on some of the things that you're you're doing right at the moment that you're in the thick of? Or do you want to give a little background? What? How do you want to start this? Land acknowledgement. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, right, exactly. That was our other thing on our, our massive list. Yes, let's do that. Oh Meto, we live on the land of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho people. And in Colorado, we still have two reservations of the Southern Ute and Mountain Ute. So we need to really reanalyze, reimagine to relearn what it looks like to look at our spaces void of colonial violence because a lot of climate talks that we're gonna find ourselves in now are really gonna be equity analysis discussions because it's gotten to the point that we need to reframe who was here first, how did we harm those sources of life we now call resources and now have fragmented those communities and continue to for the climate genocide we now find ourselves in because it started out as a human genocide with the indigenous people here that we now call Colorado. So there are still 48 tribes that still travel through here, the land we call Colorado. Um, that being the Comanche, Lakota, Apache, Navajo, Mashika, and many more of the descendants that still live in around here. So I love to do, I don't love to do, but I like to do land acknowledgements 
to really understand what it means to relearn, because if we're talking about land acknowledgement, that is going to eventually mean land back and resources, labor and property to those that have been robbed of those spaces. So I always highlight that first. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, well, right. And that that is going to lead into a lot of the things that you are working on and, um, yeah. So, so which which one do you want to start with first? Do you want to start with your um, kind of your work with the state legislature, or sure, I'll start with Spirit of the Sun. Okay, perfect. Spirit of the Sun. I'm so humbled every day to work with Shannon, who is the ed executive director at Spirit of the Sun, and the entire now female team except for Jackson and Richard that were well, done. It's okay to have some token. Yeah. <laughs> Looking males. Everyone, women on there, and I mean women with necks, are those that represent and bring in a lot of their own narratives and mastery, too. And it starts with Shannon. Shannon is 12th generation um, Hopi, now what we call permaculturalist. But she's really, uh, so I always call her a youth protector in my own mind because she does so much work in and around the communities. And that starts with, yes, those logistical operations of what we don't have enough of support in, and that's food bank. That could be housing resources that we can just provide. And most of all, what we do at Spirit of the Sun is cultural resiliency programs. Yes, we are survivors of cultural genocide in a system we need to be real about. The United States is not broken in its system. It's a system that was always designed to leave out BIPOC. So it's working as designed. So that being said, real equity is not charity. And unfortunately, I work at yet another nonprofit that for generations come into these spaces. And instead of providing and having the real community support that's adequate for long-term meaningful help, I work at another nonprofit that we have to fight for grants in order to make sure that we have food grants, in order that we have COVID funding, in order to make sure that hopefully we can have property funding in order to operate. So I'm very lucky to work at a program that is found through all space, at a space that is found through all means, a way to be resilient when we're always constantly choked out and flushed out of Colorado in policies and in pollution. So I'm really, really honored to work at Spirit of the Sun. And there's many programs that we offer through there. We do Red Earth Yoga, and we'll be offering even more social emotional health this next year. We'll be um, doing a seedling project and a number of other things to literally both reanimate the soil and the communities that we work in. So I'm really grateful to work at Spirit of the Sun, but Spirit of the Sun has been a catalyst for me because um, I started Women from the Mountain when I came back after eight years with my husband in the Navy with my prima, Micaela Ironshell Dominguez. And our goal was initially to heal through transformative art education are all life givers, those that have been through trauma, especially starting with the indigenous and Chicano communities we found ourselves in. But it has expanded to healing on many fronts. And I always go back to, and I will always go back to, and that's how all these tie together, Equity analysis. So what the heck is equity analysis? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I'm not fighting, but we are challenging Polis. We've challenged him to be a good ancestor in understanding what equity analysis means. 
both in the Denver Post and overall. We do it in MMIW um, awareness and representation to understand advocacy in equity analysis around human trafficking, stolen labor, and those in around uh, extractive industries that are truly harmed in those communities. And we do it at Spirit of the Sun and cultural resiliency. And equity analysis is really understanding that we need to open and reimagine to relearn to open all the barriers that are stopping BIPOC from thriving in, a, in our system now that is historically known for erasure. We've been erased in our narratives, we've been erased in wealth, and we've been erased in the American identity and indigenous communities. Chicano isn't, and that's how I identify, is Chicano, Chicana, isn't even acknowledged. And yet it is an entire culture. I grew up Chicana. I grew up where that's how we are in our community and help our structure and our culture is very important. And I can only speak from my perspective as a Chicana. And that being said, imagine the 48 other tribes that travel through Denver. We are not monolithic. Every one of us have our own diverse narratives that we need to be able to teach our children, have property to own to teach our children, have healthcare access to teach our children from our cultural perspectives. And most of all, have political representation when we've been harmed in those spaces because of our culture. We are able to see certain spaces that are harmed because of compassionate ways of looking at things that culture does bring in humanizing each other. So a lot of this equity analysis is reframing where we're erased in the American identity. So when it comes to the other work I've been blessed to work on has been environmental justice directly and defining equity analysis when it comes to environmental justice, spaces that disproportionate communities that ha have been harmed by extractive industries. And I specifically live in Commerce City, which has been harmed for, from Suncor and before that it was Conoco. And if you understand where these communities have had a barrier, pollution is one of the most insidious barriers. It's particulate pollution of things of hydrogen cyanide. These were used in gas chambers, benzene. This does go into our soil. This does go into our air. Every element of what you call resources are our sources of life. And we need to reframe and reimagine what that really looks like and no longer cause harm in those spaces to truly provide equity analysis. So I discussed that a lot with um, Representative Jackson on what that looks like. I've talked about how the greenhouse roadmap that Paul has proposed, it mentions equity analysis, but it is too shortcoming when it comes to understanding equity analysis. Equity analysis needs to be our youth being able to also engage and actually have an ability to speak without being spoken for. We need to have our indigenous communities not have their narrative hijacked. We need to have our black communities not have their narrative hijacked. I, I personally say black lives matter, indigenous rights are human rights. Every one of these crucial narratives all need to help to dismantle the white supremacy and predatory capitalism that has harmed every single one of these people of color communities to truly harbor 
equity analysis in climate justice and environmental justice. So, so when you're um, when you're talking about that and doing the equity analysis, so what what are you looking for? Like, what the people that want to be part of the solution that want to walk alongside and lift up indigenous voices, lift up the communities of color. What what do you what's the best thing to do? I know that you you offer the the trainings in the cultural allyship and accompliceship, but but also I mean it, it sounds like you know just being able to use those words like the equity analysis and making that front and center. But you know, somebody that's really passionate and is like, yes, we want to make this happen. What you know, we have this army of of uh, white people that do feel, you know, that it's like this is where the answer is. Our indigenous um, ancestors, the indigenous elders, the indigenous ways is the answer. That's that is the answer that we need. So. What what do you recommend? What are you calling people to do that that want to to be part of the solution? Those that truly care, they have to decide if they care. I personally, as an organizer, have been this in this a very long time. That if you already have a bias or you already have an agenda that is going to further fragment BIPOC communities, please do not stand in the way. For those that truly want to support and care about that equity, you need to decide if you're going to be an ally or an accomplice. And both are just as crucial. Allies listen, allies learn, allies educate. They find and show solidarity, but they're thoughtful. And they're really important to this process and they're essential, but we need people who are willing to make statements and speak truth, especially with the leaders in the community. Those leaders need to be able to speak for themselves. That's an ally, is use your platform, share it whether it's financially, share it whether it's socially, share it whether it's in an educational space, but be transformative to truly be an ally. An accomplice is what's going to make the difference though. We need people who are willing to make sacrifices and take action under their leadership to step back and really stand in solidarity with these communities impacted by generations of racism and other forms of marginalization. The difference between these two is again, the, the power dynamics. What has fragmented the communities and excluded BIPOC from those narratives of affluence and equity? If the system's not broken and is working as designed, an ally needs to engage in that activism by standing with the individual or group in the marginalized community and protecting. But an accomplice will focus on dismantling the structure that has oppressed that group to begin with. And that is has to be directed at stakeholders that are harming those marginalized groups. Hmm. And most of all, the reason that we need allies and accomplices is because allies and accomplices can help where that stolen wealth and narratives have been taken from us. I'll give you an example in a minute. But most of all, we need to be able to speak for ourselves because a lot of our, our cultural traditions are not necessarily versed in just English. I say sovereignty a lot, but sovereignty also means to reign over. 
So I'm going to actually say a quote of just an indigenous perspective of what sovereignty really means from an indigenous perspective and why indigenous communities will understand the depth of that for our education, for our healthcare, for our trauma and healing, for everything having to do with that. Sovereignty is a state of mind, or should I say it's a state of heart. It has more to do with how we conduct our daily mundane actions than the heroic acts of war. Do we speak to our children in our native languages? What names lead us to the sacred? What rituals do we use to acknowledge our presence here? Tribal sovereignty is the ability to say who we are and what we are and think for ourselves. It means the ability to run our own schools and move about in the world with dignity as our own nation. That one is from Joy Harjo. But that's the best one that I found that's a quick way to say sovereignty is what you hold in your heart. And if you're truly going to care about these communities, you need to find which lane you're going to be in as an ally and accomplice and truly support that story for them. Because we don't need another white savior. We can save ourselves. We need the environmental movement to realize you're excluding our narratives and now it's harming us all in a culture, in a, in a environmental genocide. I, I had um there's there's one church here in uh, Denver that is doing um, an analysis of what is the value of the lands that they are on and how could they um, calculate that value and then give it back to indigenous communities or to bipoc communities, you know kind of but but I feel like that that is that the accomplice type of thing because you know you were saying earlier that some of the stuff that you're doing with the food pantry and that stuff that it's hard to even find the space to do all the work that you're doing um so so that seemed like an example of a, a church that is doing not just like a reckoning and saying we're sorry you know but but taking that next step and saying wow we're our space here is on stolen lands and and here's the value that that we you know were were that we benefited from and how can we how can we make amends financially and beyond and and so that that seems like does that seem like a good kind of first step is that what you're talking about or what do you think what do you think about that approach yes Yes, it's always a first good step to start to truly bridge spaces that have been harmed. But we need by this point, just because like I said, I've been in this for now two, three generations that I've seen myself and not enough has been done. And we do still live in a space that we need to reframe. And it's not sooner and faster, but again, with more equity and the timely within what we can teach our children. Mm -hmm. um, right now we're also working on renaming spaces in Colorado. And I ask that those listening truly think about what it means to relearn to reimagine spaces in Colorado void of colonial violence. Um, S Mountain or Squaw Mountain, that's a racist slur for indigenous women. And yet Colorado still has mountains named like that. Yeah. That's colonial violence. That's colonial violence against missing and murdered indigenous women in that narrative. That's colonial violence against me knowing exactly what it means. That's colonial violence for the generations of women that know that. And it's right next to Mount Evans. Mount Evans is contributor for Sand Creek Massacre. So being able to literally take pictures 
of the spaces we find ourselves in and really reimagine what that space was. This is the land of the Cheyenne and Arapaho and Ute people. What sacred space was that for seasonal gathering? What sacred space was that? That another moniker that has been pro proposed from the tribes themselves is Owl Woman Mountain instead of S Mountain. And really changing every name of those spaces back to what purpose to the indigenous communities did that serve in a sacred way and let those communities say it and invite them back to their own lands to say that. But most of all, a lot of that does tie back into land responsibility and stewardship about what it means to be a good ancestor. <clears throat> so what I'm asking is those allies and accomplices, if you have an ability to share within your space a redistribution of narratives and a redistribution of wealth. Relearn to reimagine and re-educate yourself. How can you shift that for BIPOC that has lost that? If it's in renaming a space such as Mount Evans, join those initiatives and support those groups to change those names. Sand Creek Park is still right next to South Platte River, which is right next to disproportionate communities of Suncor. So all of this little by little is tied over. It does start with changing names and reanalyzing our physical biosphere and environments, but it starts little by little from there. Spirit of the Sun is also going to be doing um, mycelium projects to reanimate the soil and pull particulate pollutions in that way and also seedling projects that also help in that as well. At the same time that we need to change the monikers, we're also literally needing to do the work right now. We need those volunteers to help us with food bank. We need those volunteers to relearn what it is to clean your soil, to clean your air, to do more renewable everyday things, yes, but most of all, to give us property in and around Colorado, we literally can't operate food banks safely. I can honestly say that. We operate it four times a week. And even if we do have volunteers, we don't have a standing building that we can give people to with no contact safely. We have to do it where it's either food deliveries, no contact, which is a lot of past our capacity sometimes because it's just us moms that are trying to do this as well. But it is those everyday pools from the community that we're trying to help, that those that have the ability to subside that suffering need to now realize it for themselves and share that wealth, share that narrative, share that identity that the American identity doesn't want to share with BIPOC. Yeah, I mean, I think like it was like during the, uh, the election, what was the, the like they showed the polls or the results and it says other and it didn't say yeah oh something you know, else, something that, else. Right? oh yeah we where that was just like oh my god yeah it's like okay white black latino asian other and I, that, that really hit me yeah um so yeah so my Yes, prima. As I say, Michaela Iron Shell. Okay, you're breaking up. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, okay, you're back. Yeah. Can you hear me okay. now? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was just saying that for one of the weights that um, my sister prima, comadre, Mika Ironshell Dominguez, Micaela, um, kind of vented that out when she made shirts called I Still Exist in gray with the black handprint with lips just to show we do still exist. We are not something else. And it's not okay to dehumanize us when we do have representatives like yeah. Deb Haaland who yeah. understands that she was yeah. once property of oh wildlife and Yes. Yeah. So, so tell us, I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about two things. One is um, the work that you're doing as the kind of immediate COVID kind of relief and how people might be able to support that. And the other is if somebody wants to do a cultural training. Um, so those are the two things I want to make sure that we're um, that we're touching on. Because with the masks and the the food bank and all that. Yes. So if you want to support us at Spirit of the Sun, please go to our Facebook of Spirit of the Sun page. And we are actually right now actively asking for those either with fabric or can make masks to donate. And please be mindful. These will be going to elders. They need to be clean. They need to be sanitary. We will be also offering caravans to Black Mesa, Arizona. But um, a lot of our organization we have through our Facebook and Instagram. So you can be able to just click on our links at spiritofthesun.org or Spirit of the Sun on Facebook or spiritofthe.sun on Insta. And all of the information is on there to give back to our communities, whether it is our I Still Exist campaign, whether it's our Black Mesa caravan, our food bank support and volunteers. We have a sign-up form there. We have mask sign-up. But a lot of our information we try to really keep on um, our social media platforms. So if you want to help, we put everything on there. Please, I insist to support Spirit of the Sun so that we can continue to have representation in Indigenous communities, not just in a nonprofit here as well. Um, yeah. If you want to help on the environmental justice front, could I highly real, suggest. Could you say real quick what who who that is in Black Mesa? What what um, group you're supporting? The Black Mesa Caravan actually comes through Shannon, who is, that's her relatives and family mm-hmm. and space too. That so that all the information. Yes, it's Hopi and Navajo elders. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, sorry. And it goes to is around there, yeah. Awesome. Right, we're organizing the next one. <laughs> we need those details. <laughs> and then um, if you want to join us for the environmental justice front, we sincerely do need allies on those AQCC calls, CDPHE calls, on those city council and Commerce City, Aurora, Swansea calls. These are all spaces that Permits have been pushed through without communities really being involved. And when we're involved, we're cut off short in two minutes and never really able to describe the levels of degradation. And I mean, nosebleeds, nausea, awful. And during COVID, this is deadly. So if you're able to join us on the environmental justice front, yes, come and join us in highlighting where Colorado has an F grade in every single one of our counties for air. And I'm not even kidding. That's the American Lung Association and Harvard studies. And yet they're still pulling, Pol is still approved 3000 fracking wells in and around Commerce City, Brighton and Northern Northeast Denver, which is predominantly Chicano and black communities again. 
We need leadership and we need representation in the communities that are being harmed to no longer have harm and no longer have polluters protected over people. And unfortunately, we are finding that a lot of city councils and a lot of spaces like that are still protecting profits over people's lungs. Like in Commerce City, they'll literally give your car a car wash, but they won't give you health care. And you don't really have health care to school nurses in those spaces anymore. So that just shows you the content. Don't care about your car. Keep your car clean. Oh my God. That's insane. Yeah, that is. Well, I mean, it's so crazy too, because it's like Denver, I think wasn't it National Geographic or something that rated Denver as one of the greenest cities? And it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I mean, like picturesque wise, okay. But the actual air, that's, I mean, that has been a problem. That's my first poem. I was 10 years old and it was called The Brown Cloud. That was 1970. You know, and it's like that, that is still an issue. We're not meeting those. And and so what, what about Renee, as far as the, what is the service that you guys provide the, the, how do you provide the trainings for, for allyship and for, um, you know, to be a cultural accomplice or ally? Reach out to me. No question is too uncomfortable. And if I can't find the answer, someone will. Um, we do ally and accomplish training for specifically environmental groups and those that are trying to at least understand the basics of indigenous perspective. Like I said, I don't speak for all indigenous communities. And if I can't find the answer, I will find someone else that can truly help us to help that narrative be adequately represented. But we provide training in that a lot. Um, yes, she <laughs> yeah, I mean, I um, think that's great because doing like, like what we, you I'm know, when I, when I first reached out to you, I was saying, Renee, I'm getting all these people that are saying, Hey, we need somebody to do a land acknowledgement or there's this, this thing. And it says we need more indigenous people in this community, uh, you know, on, on these different things. And, and for me, it's that's why it was great because you said, okay, no question is too awkward because it is, it is, I feel like there's a high level of awkwardness <laughs> built into that because we are forming new kind of new relationships where I like for me personally, I've always felt that a lot of the kind of indigenous perspectives is not as accessible because it's for good reason protected to to not be utilized against people as has historically been the case that something's been taken and twisted and used in a nefarious way and so i think when people are saying okay well we need to get past the okay, let's respect somebody from a distance. We need to get in this mosh pit together and, and figure this out. So I really appreciate that you're like, okay, whatever it is, just ask me and I'll tell you like, no, that's, that's disrespectful to invite someone to do a blessing but not give their input. Or yes, I wanna do a land acknowledgement at a conference and we typically, people will give an offering and that's, a, that's part of the gift economy that's a good way to do things i mean that's really helpful and so knowing 
if somebody says, oh, there's like people want indigenous uh, uh, native folks on this, these communities and they're not sure where to look, that I can reach out to you and that's huge. So I think that's a really great service. Um, yeah. I always get, I and sometimes I get combative like from people before too when we were able to meet before COVID and even before I worked for Spirit of the Sun because I've done trainings like this for a while before it was really in too. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. you make me ashamed for being white. <laughs> Light exists in colonized spaces and colonized minds. The only reason I'm indigenous or have a term that you have to put on me is because we've already compartmentalized each other away. And now white has become an American identity, but doesn't have any cultural identity to their own indigeneity. And that's a way that we've been able to culturally exchange to see our humanity among indigenous groups that I've experienced, I'm only speaking from my experience, that white communities have lost. So if you call yourself white, you're not white. You only exist white in your space. You were from somewhere else and you have a culture or an indigeneity that helped your ancestors for resiliency at one time that also humanized you in certain levels of morality. And you do need to go back to those spaces. And I bet you a lot of those spaces also had to do with stewarding your environment as well, responsibly and with imbalance. Yeah. So if you feel ashamed or you're seeking something past white, find your culture's indigeneity and appreciate others, but don't appropriate them and never hijack their narratives. Speaking yeah, and, and I think it's it, that's the thing is like, it's not, it's not straightforward how you do that. So I think that you need to do that in relationship with people because, you know, as you're saying, so like for me, my ancestry is Swedish, German, Irish. And so, you know, immigrants and people that lived off the land, but that's a story, that's everybody's story. Um, but also focusing on you, it's like when I lived in Saudi Arabia, I was just so, moved with Islam, that is, it's the religion is you and God, your God, that's, that's the thing. And I feel like with this healing is that each one of us has to have our relationship with with Mother Earth, you and, and the sacred, your version yes, of the, the sacred, exactly with all that others as versions of the sacred and, and that's for indigenous communities. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think English doesn't even really have great terminology for that so so figuring out so so it's all those things that we need to get back in relationship one-to-one -one with nature with trees with the sacred the sacred and reverence and then also figure out how do we lift up the voices of the people that have been studying this forever and living it forever so that we can learn but but not appropriate it appropriate so it is it is tricky and we do need to find ways that we can be in conversation and make mistakes and not, you know, and help each other. <laughs> what was that? I always say you have to have safe space. You have to, yeah. at the same time that you have to have safe space to heal your trauma and your sadness, you have to have safe space to exhibit anger. There's a lot of harm that's been caused. You have to have a safe space to exhibit the trauma that's been caused and be able to safely get it out. And our communities need to be able to have that supported first and have that trauma to reanalyze our narratives and our resiliency. 
to then build ourselves up. I always appreciated um, something my husband said to me over the garden and it's worked for me, honestly, overall, metaphorically too. He said, man, when I helped the, the weakest plants in our garden, they, he goes, all the stronger ones grew stronger because I just focused on just the weaker ones first and the strong ones were already pushing oh. through. So they grew even more flourish. That's exactly how our society needs to look. Yeah, exactly. Those that are harmed, poisoned, polluted, robbed, taken from, or have no representation, including our houseless community, especially our houseless community. Yeah. Um, I want to show the mural of Renee Badass Millard Chacon. <laughs> the artist is Adika Pacha. She's oh, yeah, amazing. Tell, you want to tell us a little bit about this while I bring it up here? Sure. I met Adika at a couple marches, and then I saw her again at the Greta Thunberg march after we had just uh, walked off, and she we were talking about how to reach people more about building awareness for missing and murdered indigenous women. And at the time we wanted to just hold women's circles that were small for young girls to again, hold safe space. And we were gonna bring in professionals, but it ended up turning into art that a lot of people just wanna express themselves themselves. And we want to be able to just provide that. And Adika and I, this was our first attempt is to be able to provide that. This was my way of healing. I had just come home my brother was in my lap in ashes. Literally, he died homeless in Skid Row after a solid nine years. And I had lost my sister and my brother within that time. This was my healing. And my sister unfortunately did pass and was dead for four days in Wyoming in her apartment where we didn't know and was MMIW. So me to be able to focus on something, be able to create something with the Dika was just healing at the mm -hmm. time for Jessie. And these were her beautiful finalized versions of it. And she did such a beautiful job. And we, when we did that shoe, I remember I was praying at the time to what I call the mama mountains, that I was home. I was finally home after about eight years of the Navy, so many Trump supporters at that time, so many very um, conservative ways we had, my, my husband and I had to navigate with our two kids and still come home in between and do our ceremonies, still come home in between and have my kids and then go back. That when I did that for me, it was a prayer to say, I'm home and now I plant my seed and any woman after me who wants to express themselves this way, I support you. This is not all about me. This is about the women that come after me, just like it was the women that came before me that I'm still here. So that's how we started and wanted Women from the Mountain to go. And it's continued. We've been at Arvada Center um, to discuss how MMIW should be discussed in the women's suffrage movement. And a lot of spaces and relearning to re-educate and expand the narrative with indigenous inclusion. But most of all, to transformatively educate and heal the communities that have been harmed to speak and express for themselves and however way that's going to be to heal. It could be, we're even thinking now we're going to do a poem and poetry pretty soon because it is. It's a way to just get that out and just offer that safe space again for our communities ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and, yeah, your badassery of <laughs> just being able to, to hold all these different things. Of I know in your bio you always say the most important thing is being a mom. Um, you know, so you're doing that, but you're also telling Polis, hey, our governor of Colorado, you need to do better. 
Um, and and then I do all that because I'm a mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to say real quick about the mycelial uh, air pollution thing before we wrap up? Because I know people were interested in in that piece of it as well. Yes, we are asking uh, disproportionate communities in and around Commerce City, if you're interested in patch in planting a mother patch, we already have three in my backyard, but they're super duper easy to uh, plant. Can you, can you explain and what that is? Yes, they're mycelium patches and mycelium is the precursor, to, it's fungus. And our goal is to literally both help with soil reanimation and reinvigoration. It helps with water retention Mycelium has an amazing way of all those little roots getting in and helping clean out the soil. It also pulls pulls out certain um, decayed and decomposed plant matter. And our hope is that it's also gonna pull out certain levels of particulate pollution, whether it's carbon or otherwise. So every time that one of those mushrooms come up, we're gonna crop it and send in a sample. And every sample, we wanna learn how much we can use different forms of indigenous knowledge, starting with mycelium planting of fungus and other forms of what we now call permaculture to heal soil that has been harmed from pollution and extractive industries. So we're starting that in and around Suncor spaces and Commerce City and Denver as well. Um, I believe Auntie Debbie's also gonna put one in the pack of her patch too in the east side too. So we're gonna try to see other soil spaces. And a lot of the soil's just been dried out, polluted out. I believe I've been told that when they tried to get squash from their backyard, it tasted like metal that they literally couldn't eat it. So they, it was like we couldn't even grow in these spaces anymore. So changing our soil and healing what we can from what's been taken out of it from those industries is what we're trying to do with the mycelium project. Yay, that's so cool. I'm getting my permaculture design certificate this year too. Oh, please come and join us. And those that want to join us, yeah. my, my husband's helping us and he's so excited because that's his, he's going to be finishing his bachelor's in engineering. So then he wants to try in architectural and uh, agricultural engineering. So this is right up his alley. He's helping lead a lot of that. And, and if you're interested, there's so many wonderful people. Jackson is also going to be part of that. Shannon's going to be part of that. We have wonderful scientists joining us as well, James and Jim. So we're not just doing it alone. And most of all, we want to teach the youth. Maybe eventually we'll have a center to teach the youth in these spaces specifically what it looks like to fix your soil when it's been harmed. Right. And they can probably teach us quite a bit as well. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining today, Renee. I know when we were kind of tossing through like all the things we could talk about. It it took us as long as the podcast to just list them all, but I think that we actually hit on quite a quite a few, but I think the the parting message is that if you understand that this is an issue that that figuring out how to to relearn, to reimagine, re-educate, um, that, that we need to be able to form these kind of relationships where we figure out how to be a good ally, a, a good accomplice, and we're happy to know that you're out there that can kind of guide us uh, to say, yeah, do this, or yeah, that makes a good, that's a good thing to do, or wait, you, you just trumped over, you forgot to include Native communities and um, anyhow, so just so happy to, to have you as in the world, <laughs> basically. 
to be living in this. To be a good ancestor, you can be a good living ancestor. That does mean to preserve the rights of nature, the resources as sources of life for the next seven generations, and truly steward it steward your spaces responsibly. That does start with yourself too. You're your own biosphere. It does start with how you treat yeah. yourself. Yeah, indeed. That's okay. that's, that's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Renee. Have a beautiful day. Enjoy a snowy, snowy morning and um, peace to everybody. And remember, if you have something you want to do, somebody had a note there that says, I guess I just need to start, right? And that's my message. There is no planet B. The time for action is now. All right. Yes, yes. Uh, it's been a sacred. <laughs> Thank you, John. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye, loves.